So um, you've already referred, you've heard Lonnie referred to as Pastor Lonnie. And um, so Lonnie, come on up here. You've been worshiping with us for um, quite a few months. You've been such a blessing to us. And anyway, this morning we're blessed to get to hear the word through Pastor Lonnie. He's, um, he studied down at Oral Roberts University down in Oklahoma, um, more my area of the country growing up. And uh, anyway, then he pastored at New Life Church for 29 years here up by the East Beltline in Leffingwell, right? That's the location. Okay. 39. Sorry about that. A decade. I'm older than I look. Oh, a decade. All right. Sorry about that. 39 years. And um, anyway, then he's been, he studied for missions and studied anticipating going around the world. And he did that, but not as a missionary, but as one that was sent out to teach and to worship lead and to um, go in many different countries. And today we're blessed right here in Grand Rapids and at Gold Avenue Church to hear the word through Lonnie. And so um, I just want to encourage you, even though the time is 11 o'clock, do not rush. You know we're on God's time and um, we're flexible, right church? We're flexible. And if you're not and you need to excuse yourself, that's fine. But we're going to listen to the word. Then we're going to celebrate communion together. And so um, Lonnie, what do you need? Oh, I'm taking it away because I'm thinking it's in your way. All right, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, I was concerned about time. I I thought, you know, Marissa let you out early last week. And I didn't want you to have any false expectations this week. I was thinking, uh, you know, you have, there are certain minimum daily sermon minutes that are required, right? And I wouldn't want you to be shorted because she let you out a little early last week. So uh, how, how many of you, if we get close to the end and I need an extra five minutes, you'd be willing to give me five? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. <laughs> We're good to go. We're, I will have you out of here by two or by three at the latest. I'm just kidding. I know some of you are sweating. So uh, we could truly go home today having been edified and encouraged and strengthened. But I think it is important that we take some time to look at the word so that we see the foundation that these testimonies are planted on. Does that make sense? So um, there we go. The power of thanksgiving and praise. In in teaching what I'm going to teach this morning, I do not want you to hear that we are some kind of um, people with our head in the sand, and no matter what happens, all we do is just go, oh, hallelujah, praise God. No, that's not who we are. The scripture says that we mourn with those who mourn, we grieve with those who grieve, we rejoice with those who rejoice. But it also says some other things that I want to present to you this morning. Pastor Dave was talking a a few weeks ago about, uh, he was teaching on the verses where Jesus said, greater things than these will you do. And and he said, you know, we, we read these verses and we just sort of, we don't know what to do with them because it's outside of our experience. And so we just kind of, don't do anything with them. 
And I think the verses that we're going to look at today can be the same way. Well, surely it doesn't mean that. Well, yeah, it does. The deal is that we can't do what the Scripture says without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We can't do this in our own strength. So this, this revelation of the power of thanksgiving and praise was really brought back into the body of Christ about 50 years ago, actually. A couple of guys named Merlin Carruthers and Judson Cornwall, uh, God gave them this revelation and they disseminated into the body. And uh, the problem is things, you know, the pendulum swings. And for a while, everyone was talking about thanksgiving and praise. And now 50 years later, you rarely hear anything. Uh, about it. Uh, Bill commented to me, all the songs we did today were old songs. And my response was, well, it could be because none of the new songs say anything about thanksgiving or praise. <laughs> so, so the pendulum swings and then it swings back and we want to keep it in the middle where we're walking in the word. Amen. So let's look at the scripture. Uh, read this with me, will you? You ready? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now let me, let me clarify here just for a second. In the Greek, that word in everything means in everything. <laughs> just thought I'd clarify that in case some of you are Greek scholars and you were, you were wondering. Um, and I want to say this too. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That does not mean that everything that happens to you is the will of God. What it means is that it's God's will for us to find things to give thanks for in the middle of everything that's going on. Does that make sense? Okay. So, let's get a definition here. To give thanks means to express appreciation for a benefit. That's easy enough. That's clear enough. Um, and we, I want you to see a little progression of intimacy here. We thank him for what he does, but we praise him for who he is. And then we worship him by giving our lives. Now, we toss that, you hear that, thanksgiving, praise, worship, almost as though they're synonymous. They aren't. We give thanks for what's done. Somebody opens the door for you. What do you say? Thank you. They did something for you. Somebody opens the door for you every time you go through it for 15 years and you can say, thank you for opening the door. You are a thoughtful and gracious person. Does that make sense? You move from giving thanks for what they did to expressing appreciation for their character, for who they are. And so we move from thanksgiving for what God has done into praise for who he is. Because what he does comes out of who he is. And then, <laughs> then worship really is Romans 12.1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We give ourselves to him. We give him our lives. That's really what worship is. It's not just singing with your hands lifted. You can sing with your hands lifted and be thinking about playing golf or something, right? Right? Uh, so, so it's that laying down our lives that really is the act of worship. Now, most of us really are pretty good at expressing appreciation for good things that happen. But what do we do when something that seems bad happens? 
Usually, we express our well-developed complaining skills. Don't look at me like that. I know you. (laughs) You're just like me. So, most of you are aware that about ten years ago, my wife and I were in a bad car wreck. We were... uh, turning left on the east belt line off a building road, going to visit her mom in the nursing home. And a lady ran the red light doing about 65 miles an hour and hit us right on that left front corner. And it basically broke this left side of me. So I'm laying there in the hospital. My jaw's broken by the airbag, I'm pretty sure. I don't know what happened to my neck, but I've got one of those neck things on. My arm, the bones were not sticking through, but they were sticking out. My hip was, uh, the doctor said, I've never seen an injury like this. He said, I had to go in and find all the pieces I could and put it back together like a jigsaw puzzle on the operating room table. Then it broke both bones in my lower leg. So I spent 51 days in the hospital and um, I had an encounter with the Lord one night. I don't say that lightly. Usually when the Lord speaks to me, it's a little gentle nudge. It's a thought. It's an impression But his voice awakened me in the middle of the night out of a sound sleep. And this is what he said. Lonnie, you have to be very intentional about finding things to give thanks for. If you don't, the losses you are experiencing will overwhelm you. So if you're awakened by the voice of the Lord in the middle of the night saying, find things to give thanks for, you're going to be in trouble, buddy. (laughs) That's the shield's paraphrase of what the Lord said. You begin to get intentional about finding things to give thanks for. So some days it was like, okay, I'm not dead. Thank you. Uh, Do you understand what I mean? It, It wasn't like... Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you! It just was in the middle of all the mess that was going on, looking for things that I could say thank you for. So I got out of the hospital. I had to go back for some tests, some x-rays. So I'm pushing my walker. I'm in pain. You know, I'm, and I got the test done. I'm on my way out. And I am in full children of Israel, gripe and complain and grumble mode, right? I'm just crabby. And I get to the door and an ambulance, you hear this beep, 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 an ambulance is backing up. And so I stopped so I wouldn't cause a problem, right? The ambulance driver pulls to the door. He gets out, comes up, opens the door. And sitting in a wheelchair is a guy who has no legs. And I said, I repent. (laughs) This one doesn't work very well, but I've still got it. Thank you. you It was a revolutionary experience in terms of my mood and my uh, expression at that point. Now, I want to say something to you that I want you to catch. This is important. It doesn't say, go back up there to the verse at the top. It doesn't say in everything, feel thankful. One of the hallmarks of our culture today is a focus on authenticity. And a lot of times people are like, well, I ain't going to give thanks if I don't feel thankful. Well, you're an idiot then. (laughs) You're letting your feelings determine your life. 
instead of doing what the scripture says, and eventually your feelings catch up. Let me ask you a question. When the alarm went off this morning, did you feel like getting up? I never do. But what do we do? We do the things that we have to do, whether we feel like it or not. And it's the same way with so many spiritual things. We expect, oh, this is spiritual. I should feel it. No, your feelings are in your soul. And your feelings, your emotions, follow your thoughts. So when we obey and we think like God tells us to think, then our feelings follow along behind. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So I was doing pretty good at finding things to be thankful for. Then... In the, in the last couple of years, the Lord has kind of stepped it up. He began to speak to me out of this verse, Ephesians 5.20. Read this with me, will you? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians, or Thessalonians 5 says, in everything give thanks. So I was doing okay with that. But now he's stepping it up for all things. Always for all things. And I'm like, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. You mean I'm supposed to give thanks for this idiot woman who wasn't paying attention, who almost killed us? My dad was a fireman. He said, Lonnie, I've pulled hundreds of people out of wrecked cars. I've never pulled anybody alive out of a car that looked like yours. So I'm supposed to give thanks for this? Are you? (laughs) Surely you jest. I couldn't find a way. Because you'll never convince me that was the will of God. I'm sorry, you'll never convince me. She broke the law. She, she broke me. She broke my wife. You'll never convince me that's the will of God. But here's the key. Read this one with me, will you? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So now that puts a whole different light on things. Because he can take things that are not his will, things that are bad. If we'll cooperate with him, he can take things like a nasty car wreck and work it for my good. So I began to say, all right. Thank you for the stinking car wreck. You have to start where you are, right? You can't, you can't just go, oh, thank you for the car wreck. Because you, you know what I'm saying? But you've got to start. You've got to do something. So, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're bigger than someone's inattention. You're bigger than injuries that are still causing problems. You're bigger and you're better. 
you're good. So you're working this for good. So because I believe that you're working this for good, I can, by faith, begin to say thank you for this car wreck. Does that that make sense? Thank you because you work everything for my good. Because I'm one of those that loves you and I'm called according to your verses. So here, that's the big question. How do we respond to life's challenges? Do we complain or do we give thanks? There's almost always both good and bad things happening in our lives. So one key to victory is knowing where to focus. It's so easy to focus on the negative, isn't it? And neuroscientists tell us that bad things that happen somehow have much more ability to stay in our consciousness than good things that happen. And so we have to become intentional. And where we focus, do we focus on the bad? Do we focus on the good? The children of Israel are a a wonderful example of what not to do. Hebrews 3 tells us, don't do like they did. So I thought I'd take just a minute and show you some of their big blessings and their failures. So they're slaves in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. They're crying out to God. God calls Moses. He gives them two signs. His rod, he throws it down. It becomes a snake. He puts his hand in his robe, pulls it out. It's full of leprosy, sticks it back. Now it's healed. So here's two amazing things. There's ten plagues that devastate Egypt. Procure their freedom. Listen to this. God appeared to them as a pillar of cloud in the day. If you're in the desert and there's some cloud cover, that's a wonderful thing. And then at night, he was a pillar of fire. Did you know that the desert gets cold at night? And having a pillar of fire there could be an amazing, wonderful thing. He parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. When the Egyptian army tried to follow them, they were all drowned. Now, I think what God was after was that his people would see his amazing power that he's using on their behalf and they would begin to trust him, right? They would begin to rush, oh, he must love us. Look at all this amazing stuff that he's doing. So they go three days into the wilderness. They come to a place called Mara. They're getting thirsty. Here's a spring of water, but it's bitter and you can't drink it. Now, I think God's hope was that they would go, this is bitter water. But our God is amazing. He parted the Red Sea. He's here with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Surely he will help us with this. Let's pray. I think that was his plan. What did they do? (laughs) Moses cries out to the Lord. He shows him his tree. He throws the tree in the spring. The water becomes sweet. They can eat, drink. He leads them then to Elam, 12 springs, 70 palm trees. They leave Elam. They're a little ways out in the desert, and they're like, 
we're going to starve to death. Folks, these people had flocks and herds out the wazoo. They're not about to starve to death. But here they are in the desert. And what does God say? Okay, I'm going to give you manna and quail. Every day, six days a week, manna appears on the ground. That evening, quail fly in. They can knock them down with sticks. He's providing for everything that they need. They come to Rephidim. No water. Now, surely by now, they've seen that God is faithful. He's giving them manna every morning. Quail flew in that they knocked down with sticks. I've been quail hunting. You can't knock them down with sticks. Surely now they're going to trust him. There's no water. But surely... Moses takes his staff, strikes the rock, water flows out. So we're confronted with the same choice every time something that seems bad happens to us. We can go... Okay, Lord, you have a plan here. You're going to do something good in the middle of this mess. I thank you for this mess. Or we can go, Philippians 2.14 says it this way. Do everything without complaining and arguing. So I'm going to take just the next few minutes and give you three or four things that are more reasons, three or four more reasons for thanksgiving and praise. All right? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Our response determines the impact of the things that happen to us. And the children of Israel, we already did that. Okay, here we go. Thanksgiving and praise are a pathway into God's presence. Psalm 22, verse 3. Read this with me. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Do you understand? When we praise him, when we build that atmosphere of thanksgiving and praise around us, he he comes. Another translation says he sits enthroned upon the praises of Israel. We sang this this morning. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. See, we're we're starting to come in. We're finding the good things that he's done. We're giving thanks. We come into his courts with praise. A little more intimate. We get a little closer. We're thinking about who he is and why he's done the things that he's done. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So, thanksgiving and praise are a pathway into God's presence. Thanksgiving and praise can be an expression of faith. Mark eleven twenty four. Look at this one. Jesus is talking. Read this with me, will you? I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, I don't. I don't know if uh, the old time Pentecostals talked about. Praying through. Have you, is that a, a reformed expression? To pray through? Okay. It needs to be. We're adopting it today as a reformed expression. All right. 
What it means is we pray until we have the witness of the Spirit that we've got what we're asking for. Does that make sense? You pray through all the doubt, all the obstacles, all the difficulties, everything that comes against you and says, no, you can't possibly have this. We pray through all of that until we have an assurance in our heart that we've got what we ask for. Do you have it in your hand yet? No, I have it in my faith. I believe that I've received it. Now, there was a whole word of faith movement 30, 40 years ago that got took this and pushed it to an illogical extreme. But listen to me. Just because somebody does something spiritual stupid, we don't have to be stupid. We can take the scriptures and do them right. (laughs) That was a good place for an amen right there. You missed your cue, so I thought I'd just help you out with that a little bit, all right? (laughs) So... What did he say? If you believe that you've received it, you've got it by your faith. You don't have it in your hand yet, but you've got it in your faith. What do you do? Why, thank you. You begin to offer thanks and praise because you've received a benefit that you've been asking for. You don't have it in your hand yet, but that will come. And so you express your faith with thanksgiving and praise. Does that make sense? Okay can be an expression of faith. We're moving. Thanksgiving and praise are powerful spiritual weapons. Let's read these verses out of Psalm 149. This is the Passion Translation. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths, for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing force and every resistant power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment doom decreed against their enemies. This is the glorious honor he gives to all his godly lovers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, that's a good one right there. Um, Judson Cornwall was one of the guys 50 years ago that was bringing this message. And he, in his church, he discovered that sometimes when they would come to worship together, there would just be a sense of heaviness, you know. And so, so he began, before the service started, he would just get up. Have everybody stand, bow their heads, close their eyes, and he would pray and take authority over the devil and, you know, rebuke and bind and cast out and all that sort of thing. And that, that heaviness would lift, and then they would go into the service and pray. One day the Lord spoke to him, and he said, Judson, this is the Shields paraphrase, all right? Judson, you've got demons coming from all over the area to your church. Because before you acknowledge my name, before you do anything spiritual, you have all your people stand and bow their heads and close their eyes, and then you rebuke these demons. And those demons are coming from all over the area to your church because you have them stand and bow their heads and close their eyes, and they accept that as worship. So knock it off. So he stopped. He said, well, what do we do? And the Lord brought him to these verses. 
High praises bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. And so he began, instead of taking authority over the devil, to just lead his people to look at Jesus and begin to offer praise and thanksgiving. And that heaviness was dispelled because of the high praises of God. It's a powerful spiritual weapon. Thanksgiving and praise can release God's power. I'm going to give you just two quick examples of this. Do you remember the story of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20? He was a godly king of Judah. Three countries pooled their armies together to wipe Israel out. Jehoshaphat was scared. He called together the people to fast and pray. And as they were praying and fasting, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the prophets. And the Lord said to them, don't you guys worry. This battle is mine. You won't have to do anything. (laughs) So they believed the word of the Lord. They gathered up their soldiers. They put the praise team out ahead of the army. I'm not sure I would have wanted to be on that praise team. I don't know. They put the praise team out ahead of the army and they're marching to the battlefield singing, Blessed be the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. They get there and they discover there's nothing but dead bodies. The coalition dissolved. The three armies destroyed each other. And it took Jehoshaphat and his men three days to gather all the plunder. Thanksgiving and praise can release God's power. You all know the story of Paul and Silas. They cast the demon out of the girl with the spirit of divination. They get beaten and thrown in jail, put in stocks. And at midnight, Acts says, the prisoners heard them singing praise to God. Isn't it something of an amazing coincidence that just at that moment, there's an earthquake that opens all the doors of the prisons and all the stocks fall. It's just one of those amazing coincidences. I don't know how that happened. So what would happen if we were to declare a fast on complaining and a feast of thanksgiving? What would happen if we would ban wank from our vocabularies and give our friends and family permission to call us out when they hear us going wank? What would happen? How would it change our lives? How would it change our church? How would it change our community? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, oh my goodness, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're always worthy of thanksgiving and praise. Lord, we pray that you would help us, (laughs) that you would remind us of your word. And when the temptation comes to complain and gripe, that you would just give us that little nudge that says, no, no, find something to give thanks for so that we can begin to reflect your character everywhere we go. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.